0: Hello, my friends. Jim Martin coming to you again from Lake Jackson, Texas. I pray that you are very much aware of God's activity and presence with you this morning as we begin a new series of lessons. I've become aware of the devastating effect of unforgiveness in people's lives. They just say, I have been violated, I've been wronged, I've been uh, betrayed. And I just can't get over it. I I cannot let it go. And as a result, their lives are just being, well, it's like they're being thrown in their own jail, a jail of their own making. And so, I began teaching this these lessons many many years ago. And every time I've taught it, wherever I've taught it in the world, I've just gotten tremendous response from it. So pray that you will. Follow along in your copy of Scripture. Posted the study notes that will be in your show notes or in the uh, Facebook post. Uh, Let's just get started with a word of prayer. Father, I just thank You that You have forgiven us of what would be insurmountable debt on our part towards You because of our sin and of our rejection and of our self-will. I thank You that You have forgiven us and that You have cleansed us from that unrighteous. Father, as we embark upon this study, give us clarity in our speech and in our reasoning and our thoughts. Uh, Lead us to Your throne and help us, Lord, to uh, really be free of the encumbrance of bitterness. I ask this with thanksgiving praise and expectation in Jesus' name, Amen. A commentator that I follow quite frequently is Dr. Harold Sala, who publishes a five-minute broadcast during the weekdays called Guidelines for Living. And he tells a story, I'm taking it as a a true story, I know this, uh, it's a good story, of a certain woman bitten by a dog that was suspected of having rabies. In great distress, this woman was rushed to the hospital, examined uh, the superficial wound, was treated, of course. And then uh, she was uh, told that uh, a, a series of tests must be run to determine whether she actually had contracted rabies from this animal. And if so, the, she would have to begin a series of treatments that was most unpleasant, uh, very painful, and yet it was nearly 100 percent successful. Well, after the doctor said painful and and uh, uncomfortable, and uh, well, she quit listening. She didn't hear about the 100 percent success rate in curing this. So. Uh, The young intern at the hospital uh, was called away to other duties, uh, more urgent, uh, while the woman's tests were run. Uh, This young doctor came back by her examination room and noticed that she was staring off into space and mumbling to herself, and then she would write something down. And he thought this was curious, and so he went on and attended to his duties, came back by, and she was doing the same thing still she was staring off into to space and she was mumbling and then she would get a uh, furrow in her brow and she would begin to write things down and so finally the doctor said oh man uh, she is really taking this way out of context here uh, I need to go comfort her so he walked in and he said well how are you doing she says I'm okay I'm okay and so she's writing something else down she says well uh, are you writing your will she says, "Oh no, oh, no oh, no, no oh, no," and she'd write something else down. And he said, "Well, what are you writing? Are you, uh, these funeral plans?" And he he was trying to make light of it. She says, "No, no, no. Well, I have to ask. What are you writing down?" She says, "Well, just in case I have rabies, I'm making a list of people I want to bite before I die." So, that that is a uh, rather humorous story, but also. Rather sad, actually. She says, uh, If I'm going to die of rabies, I want to bite somebody. And sometimes, don't you just feel like that? That I just want to go out and go back and go out and bite somebody, then it'll be okay? Well, let's see now, what's that called? Revenge. That's what that's called. It's vengeance. And so, what we're going to uh, start looking at during this uh, series of studies is revenge number 1 is it right number 2 is it helpful and number 3 how do we get past that desire for re- revenge you know the old the old adage uh, no i don't get angry i get even is it, is that your philosophy in life i don't get mad i get even paybacks can be bitter uh, there there's uh, secular Proverbs that says revenge is a dish best served cold. Oh, my friends, let's get let's get away from the world's philosophy of of tit for tat, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. We don't want to all walk around blind and toothless, do we? You know, I, I did a survey one time in a in a conference. I said, how many of you have been a, offended? By somebody, or been hurt by somebody, been done wrong, been violated, betrayed. Almost every every hand in the in the audience went up. I said, "Ah, that's uh, that's uh, that's a sad testimony there." Let me ask you a second question: How many of you have offended somebody, hurt them, betrayed them? And you got get these far away looks in people's eyes, and they say, "Hmm." Let's see now. I can't, can't really think of anybody right now. No, no. Well, see, therein lies the problem. We are so sensitive to what people do to us. and so insensitive in, to how we behave towards others. Isn't that sad? I think that's sad. So let's let's look. You know, this is not a new problem, right? Not a new problem. Let's focus this morning on a passage of Scripture, and it's in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18. And Peter, uh, good old Peter, he he's the one we can depend to say, okay, this is me. <laughs> Whatever it is, this is me. Okay, good old Peter. So Peter, uh, maybe he and Andrew had had... Uh, something of a falling falling out, you think? They were brothers, and from what I've observed uh, about sibling relationships, is uh, you don't have to look too far before you get an offense of one to another. So Peter has ca- came up to Jesus, and and said to him, "Lord, Master, Rabbi, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him?" Up to seven times? And I'm sure that that Peter was feeling very generous with that. Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. 70 times seven? Okay, so I can start keeping score, and so when we reach 490, then 491... It's payback time. Is that what you're saying, Lord? No. He's missing the entire point. And I want to come back to this 70 times 7. Okay? But verse 23 of Matthew 18 says, For this reason, he, he says, Okay, you're not listening. You're not listening. Because I know when he told Peter 70 times 7, he was doing Matthew, come here. Uh, what is seventy times seven? Oh, four hundred ninety. Okay, so four hundred ninety. That's the number. And, and Jesus said, "You're not listening. You you don't get it. Well, let me tell you a parable. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And in every one of our minds, when when you hear the the term settle accounts, you might be saying, uh-oh, <sighs> I don't know that I'm ready for that. When, verse 24, when he had begun to settle these accounts, one who owed him 10,000 talents, now this is this is an immense amount of money, let's just substitute the word 10 million dollars in there, was brought to him. This man, who owed him a tremendous, unpayable debt, was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his lord, his master, the king, commanded him to be sold into slavery, along with his wife and children, and all that he had to repay the, uh, the debt. Of course, you and I know that this man and his whole family was not worth $10 million or 10,000 talents or whatever the currency of the day was. So, in verse 26, the slave fell to the ground. He humbled himself and he prostrated himself before the king, saying, Have patience with me and I will repay you everything. Well, we would say, nonsense he couldn't pay no matter how hard he worked or long how long he lived he couldn't pay this but he was begging for patience what the the king showed him was not patience but mercy and the lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt he didn't say okay i'll give you another year but you're going to pay me 10 million dollars he didn't do that He forgave him the debt. And look at how this freed and relieved slave behaved. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves, a man in the same condition as him except not nearly as in debt. One of his fellow slaves who owed him, the forgiven slave, a hundred denarii, about three months wages And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground. Does this sound familiar? Began to plead with him, says, have patience with me and I will repay you. Now, it was going to be difficult, but he could have done it. But the forgiven slave was unwilling and went and threw him into prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves, the others who had witnessed this exchange, saw what had happened, they, they were deeply grieved. And they came and they reported to their master, the king, what had happened. And then summoning him, he called him back, you come back here, said to him, you wicked slave! I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. I had compassion upon you. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers and until he should repay all that was owed him. How long do you think that took? Well... I suspect that man died in the torture chamber. Don't you? My Heavenly Father will do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Oh, my friends. I, along with just about anybody who reads this story, am deeply troubled by this because we see the devastation that unforgiveness and bitterness can have. On one who harbors that grudge, as we say. So, let's define a couple of terms here. I'm just going to give you a couple of definitions that I've used. They may not be the absolutely greatest ones, but let's let's just go with these for now. Number one, forgiveness is to pardon, and as an offense or as in an offense or debt, to overlook an offense. To treat the offender as not guilty. Let me repeat that last part of this definition. Forgiveness is to treat the offender as not guilty. Okay, let's look at the term bitterness, shall we? Bitterness is extreme hostility, a grudge, hatred, or rather an excessive amount of dark passion and emotion as in the bitterness of anger. I'm uh, consuming a fruit right now, Uh, a gourd actually is for my diabetes. It's a medicinal gourd. And the name or the common name of this fruit is bitter melon. And you know what? There's a reason they, they call it bitter melon. You can't eat this thing by itself. I have to make a smoothie I have to disguise it somehow, the taste, because the bitterness just, it's just... I can't swallow it. But the problem is, people swallow emotional bitterness, soulish bitterness. It defiles them on the inside. It doesn't stay as a bad taste in your mouth. It becomes a bad spirit in your soul. You know, we are to have the mind of Christ. And I, I, I want to say that Jesus was offended by many. Don't you think uh, Jesus was offended by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and anybody that thought of themselves as a religious person, as someone who was right uh, right before God because of their own character or behavior. That's a religious person. It's someone who thinks they are right before God because of their character or behavior. Is that sobering? It is. And, and he was also offended by the money changers and the merchants that were carrying on business, corrupt business, in the temple. You remember those incidents in John chapter 2 and in other places in John's Gospel where he cleansed the temple of these money changers and these merchants who were doing business in the temple. My Father's house is to be a house of prayer and you've turned it into a robber's den. He was greatly offended at them, but he was not bitter. So anger towards someone or some situation is not the same as bitterness. It's what you do, how you process that anger. And if you look at, it, at how Jesus has handled himself when offended, he didn't seek to get even. He sought to set things right sometimes, uh, at times, except at the very end when the ultimate offense was carried out against Him and that would be on the cross, He, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now there's many other scriptures in the, uh, in the study notes that I've given you and we'll, we'll not belabor this by going through each one of these passages. But we're we're, said, we're challenged uh, to have the mind of Christ. Each one of you ought to and have this attitude within yourself, which was in Christ Jesus. He, he humbled Himself before the Father, indeed before corrupt humanity, and endured shame up to the cross. Why? Because He knew that was going to be what the Father demanded. See, we owed we owe the ten thousand, the ten million dollar debt to God, or whatever currency you trade in. It's unpayable, and we owed that debt to God because of our sin, and yet Jesus paid it all. And so, all to Him I owe. Amen. So, forgiveness was demonstrated by Christ on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we will rehearse that later on in our series. And it's commanded of us towards those who wrong us. And we can look in, in Luke 17, in the first four verses in that in Luke's gospel, chapter 17. We 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 saw it in Matthew's uh, gospel in Jesus' dialogue with Peter, where he says, "How how many times have I got to forgive my brother?" If i got to forgive him, that rascal seven times. It involves our, uh, an emotional response towards the offender in which we clear his records of the wrongs done towards us. You say, now wait a minute. You mean I'm just going to let him get away with it? Well, perhaps we need to do a teaching on what it means to be a servant. What it means to be a slave. Now, none of us, I think, uh, within the sound of this this broadcast knows what it means to be a, sl- a slave. Perhaps one of your ancestors was a slave. Uh, and uh, there's a lot going on in our culture today about that very thing, that uh, people have taken up the offense against their ancestors and are demanding reparations to themselves on behalf of their ancestors. Okay, I'm not going to go there. Okay, I'm just going to say... That's an example of holding a grudge against someone who has not offended you. All right, Of taking up the offense against another. When we clear that person's record from our book of writings or book of wrongs, when we don't write their, their name down on the list of people we want to bite or we erase it, then we can become open to becoming a party to His restoration. Not to us Alone, although that would be good, but mostly to God because somebody that someone who has genuinely offended you that's not where the problems stop. And having said that, let me go back to the 70 times 7. Would you allow me that? A teacher that Brendan and I have been following uh, recently gave us some insight into how numbers are used in the Semitic cultures and in biblical writings, especially in the Old Testament, uh, among the Jewish people. And since both Jesus and Peter were Jews, then this number 70, I'll just leave it to you and and, uh, just try to encourage you to go uh, just do a study on the number 70. Go look that up. You'll see that occurring An interesting number of times in Scripture, the number seventy. Okay, we know that the number seven is called the perfect number or the number of completion. Okay, God completed the world in six days, and the seventh day he said he rested. He said, That's enough. Right? That's enough. In other places, the number seventy represents community. The community okay so what was jesus telling peter was he said forgive your brother 490 times and at 491 then you get to whack him is that what jesus was trying to teach peter he said no no he wasn't but when he said 70 times 7 we don't know what that phrase meant to peter but this is what it very well meant to jesus When you are harboring bitterness, you're harboring a grudge against your brother, then you and he are not the only two people on earth that are involved. No. You, in harboring this offense and wanting vengeance against your brother, actually you've involved the entire community. In his case, uh, the community was the fellowship of the Jews. In our case, it's the fellowship of believers. When we become bitter against another person, you say, well, that, per- that person is probably not even a Christian because of the way they treated me. Don't You, you don't get to determine that, okay? Uh, that's not your judgment to make. No. No, you, you just put that down right now. What you've done is there. there is a chink in the armor a crack in the wall as it were of the Christian community let's get my let's, let's get that a little bit more personal there's a wound in the body the body of Christ and even if this person who has offended you has wronged you is truly not a believer then the way you respond to it is going to affect the body of Christ you say Jim that makes no sense can you prove that to me okay okay. We're getting a little bit ahead of the game here, but I'm I'm going to direct your uh, your attention to one passage of scripture. Then we're going to close the broadcast for today. Okay, and that passage of scripture is in Hebrews chapter 12 and go to verse 15. Are you with me? Hebrews 12:15, wherein the writer says, "See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God; that no root of bitterness." springs up causes and causes trouble, and by it many are defiled. That there be no immoral or godless person like Esau, who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance though he sought it with tears. Okay, Hebrews 12, 15 through 17 We're going to close on this one. But the, the operative theological concept is that of grace. 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 It's greater than our sin. It's greater than any offense leveled against us. Grace is not simply the unmerited favor of God, but it's that dynamic force from God towards us in which He instills within us, who are His children, who will accept it, the desire and the ability to do His will. That's what grace is. Yes, it's unmerited, and it is God's favor, but it's a lot more functional than that. It's the the dynamic force from God that equips us with the desire and the ability to do His will. Grace is going to be the supreme functionality in laying down your offense and, and avoiding that root of bitterness by which many are defiled. Entire families, entire nations have been defiled due to bitterness. We can see that in our own day. Right now, we can see that happening. You might be experiencing that or have experienced that in your own family. So join us next week, my friends. When we begin to examine the effects of bitterness and the cure for unforgiveness, pray with me. Father, I thank You for the great truth of Your Holy Word. And Lord, as we have studied these few scriptures and passages and these, these, I mean, critical concepts from your word, I just pray that you'd help us to put these to practice, that we would be able to write the, the names of those who have offended us uh, on our list, not so we can go bite them before we die, but so that we can begin to forgive them. and. Restore them. Restore them ultimately to You. And restore ourselves in fellowship to You and to each other. Lord, I thank You for hearing us pray and we do so, have done so in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. God bless you, my friends. We'll talk to you next week.